Look at me Gliding through this world of beauty Everything I do Brings ecstasy
A small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Just a city boy, born and raised in South Detroit. He took the midnight train going. Cheap perfume, 
Okay, uh, good evening out there to everybody. Uh, I'm Tom W5KUB, and you are listening to and watching Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, shortwave, electronics, and so forth, and we are so glad to have you. Hey, if you're out there listening on WBCQ tonight on 7490, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know where you are in the world, and uh, give us a signal report, and... and uh, uh, we just really love to hear from you. Send that email to Tom at W5KUB.com. Tom at W5KUB.com. And uh, we'd really love to hear from you there. Also, um, let's see. Uh, let's see what's going on here. Okay. All right. Hey, um, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. Um I'm going to help you out here, I think. I'm going to try to help you out here. Here we go. See that little arrow right there? There should be a little subscribe button down here somewhere. Uh, hey, guys, hit that subscribe button. Subscribe. Hit the bell there for notifications. Sometimes we come on during the week uh, with something special, and, uh, you know, you might want to uh, uh, you might want to know when something like this is coming on. Um, hit that subscribe button, if you will. That really helps us advertise the show to other people uh, on YouTube that are kind of surfing YouTube. And let's see. 
I think we've got I think we've got our other guests that just showing up right now, Glenn. All right, so let's see. Uh, yeah, we were waiting on our second guest tonight, but yeah, he just appeared. We've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, did I mention our Facebook group? Please join our Facebook group. We've got about thirteen or fourteen thousand uh, members in our in our ham radio shortwave Facebook group. So. Uh, it kind of follows the show, but it's also just uh, ham radio interest, electronic interest, so join that. Uh, you can join it by t- searching for Amateur Radio Roundtable or, let me give you a secret, the uh, short title is just W5KUB. So you'll type W5KUB in the search on uh, Facebook. You will, uh, you'll get it. We'll let you join right off there. Uh, a couple other announcements real quick. Uh, if I can find them here. Um, yeah, we've already mentioned WBCQ up there. We're on WBCQ 7490. And then, hey, we're on just about every podcast carrier out there from uh, iNet Radio to Google Play uh, to iTunes. All those are carrying us out there. Uh, that's an old uh, image there. Uh, so many have I've started carrying us. Uh, I don't even update it anymore. I can't get them on there. So just want you to uh, to know that. Uh, we got a lot of people that actually sent us email last week that said they listened to the podcast. Uh, all of our shows are recorded, guys. You can see any of our shows uh, on our Facebook channel. I mean, on our uh, YouTube channel, W5KUB. Uh, I think we had like 700 shows recorded or something like that. So uh, just check them out. All right, so, uh, hey, let me just make one quick announcement here, guys. And, you know, I'm not going to say much about this. But, um, you know, our, our co-host, uh, our co-host Katie, we really have been missing Katie. And uh, uh, Katie wants to be with us. But Katie has had some, uh, she's had some medical issues. And actually, she's, she's having some surgery today. Uh, up at uh, Mayo Clinic. She's having surgery today, so everybody keep her, you know, in your thoughts and prayers for uh, Katie Allen, uh, and hopefully she'll be back with us uh, soon there. Uh, okay, well, let's do this real quick. Let me check in with, uh, with Glenn and see what Glenn has been up to this week. He's been threatening to retire every time I talk to him. Hey, Glenn, come on in here. Hey, how's it going, Tom? Um, yeah, still threatening. Um, starting to look like the absolute not going to work past date is June 30th. Oh, yeah? Um, outside of that, it's whenever I have a bad day. Oh, man. So, so you're going to bite gonna... the bullet. You're going to bite the bullet, and you're going to retire? Yep. Okay. Well, I hope you have time. more time for ham radio. Um, probably not because there's already two books in the works that got to get going as soon as possible. And that's actually one reason why I want to retire. So I have time to to do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, got the shack all put back together. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be getting on the air with it soon. That's part of it. You don't have time for me. Well, I wish you had more time for ham radio. Uh, You just got to, eventually you're going to have to stop writing books well if it no no it's gonna be more that i'll have more time to do stuff because i won't have to drive across town and occupy a cubicle for eight hours a day all right 
Well, look, hey, before we just jump right into the show, let's let's uh, pull our uh, our two guests in here tonight and see how they're doing. And uh, let me let me just uh, yell out there to uh, Eric uh, over in, near Jerusalem in Israel. There, Eric, uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Tom and Glenn? I, nice I, to see you. I'm doing good. And guys, I want you to know it is about uh, it's a about eight minutes after three o'clock in Israel right now. Is that right? Eric? That's right. All of us are up as usual. We just happen to be early risers. Oh yeah. Here, um, that's not true. Everyone else is asleep in the house, but uh, but I'm up. Well, we will uh, we'll, we'll try not to make too much noise here for sure uh, during the show there. But we're so glad you're with us tonight. Uh, looks like Bill's going to join us. Let me let me let Bill in here. Okay. Oh, uh, what was yeah? We're gonna have full house tonight. Looks like. All right. Well, hey, Eric, we're uh, looking forward in a few minutes, a couple minutes to talk about QSO today and also about what the Ham Radio Expo that uh, that you've got going here. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Glenn, I have not met Dr. D, Dr. Duino. Yeah. Have you met him? You've met him personally, right? No, not in person. Oh, We've you haven't? a lot. Well, I, I think you know him better than me, so I'm going to let you introduce Dr. D, as I call him, Dr. Duino. <laughs> so go ahead, man. <laughs> there you go, Guido. You got a new nickname. Uh, this is Guido Benelli. He is the founder, chief bottle washer and everything for Dr. Duino. Uh, they build uh, Arduino-based development systems and tools, and uh, he's got some other things that he's putting together also. And... Uh, I've been using his products now, gosh, probably about five, six years. And uh, just, you know, we, we kind of keep crossing paths and helping each other out on each other's webcasts. So thought it'd be good to get uh, Guido to come on in. So, hey, there you yeah. Go. And, hey, you know, I, I see, don't I see, I see this advertisement in some of the uh, ham radio magazines, right? Big full page, Dr. Duino, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's the one doing them in QST and everywhere else now. Yeah. Well, hey. Guido, come on in here and say hello. Hey everybody, uh, thank you, Tom, for having me. Thanks, Glenn, for for the intro. I, I appreciate it, and um, really love to be here tonight. Thank you. All right. So, and as, as and you're up in you're so up I'm in New a, Jersey. I think you're in New Jersey. Is that right? No, I'm in uh, Long Island, New York. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Isn't, isn't there some kind of isn't there some kind of fight between uh, New Jersey and the New Yorkers? Don't they kind of hate each other or something? I mean. I, I didn't insult I you. I didn't insult you, did I? That you were in New no, Jersey, no. right? Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. I didn't. I didn't want to get off on a bad start with you here. All right. Very good. Well, hey, we're looking forward. We're going to have Eric uh, from uh, uh, QSO Radio, uh, QSO Today. He's, we're going to talk first about the Ham Expo. If you can hang around here, uh, Guido, and we'll get to you uh, sure. in a second segment there. Let's uh, real quick, uh, uh, Bill joined us. Uh, Bill, uh, how's your internet tonight, Bill? Are you there? Hello, Bill. Earth to yep, Bill. I, I think it's high speed again tonight. I hope it is. You mean you're up to like six megs? <laughs> yeah. That's high speed for me. Yeah, okay. Well, you're looking pretty good there. Pretty good. Glad you joined us. And uh looks like we got a full show tonight. We're going to have some fun. Got a lot going on here. Have some great guests there going. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's do this. Let's just get started here. And uh, Eric, come on in here uh, with us. And let's just let's man. I don't know where to start. Let's start about. Let's start with QSO today, and um, talk just briefly about QSO today in, in your podcast. Are you there? Sure. Okay. Let me I'm see happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started the QSO Today podcast in 2014, uh, right after I think um, Ham Nation started. And I thought that uh, it would be fun to create some kind of program that maybe had a, a historical flair to it. So the QSO Today podcast is a, a approximately one hour, sometimes longer, uh, interview with ham radio operators who uh, have a history. Uh, at least that's how it started. So I probably interviewed just about everybody we all know, including Glenn, including Bill, uh, so far. And uh, I'm up to uh, episode 442. So uh, I've missed only about, you know, two or three weeks in, uh, in all of that time. And uh, the podcast comes out usually midday Saturday uh, in uh, North America. So... Mm -hmm. um, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's it's kind of a I, I feel that you know when people ask me about the podcast, so oh I remember episode whatever, and I think like well they're like great grandchildren. You know you know you 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 know them, you love them, but you don't know all their names. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, how that's evolved. And then from the the podcast, we we kind of um, we, well, I guess we could talk about the expo a little bit later if you have some more questions sure, about sure. the. Uh, podcast but essentially the podcast is a one-on-one -on -one interview with uh, ham radio operators i've gotten very bold lately so i'm interviewing younger uh people or people who haven't been in the hobby for a long time because i'm beginning to think that we need to have a, a theme and variation or a take on uh, what uh, people who are newer to the hobby also have to say about ham radio and how it affects what they do so that's that's the QSO Today podcast, available on every um, podcast player. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, guys, uh, Eric has invited me to be on his podcast, but I'm an old geezer. Eric, I, I've been a ham for 59 years now. So, you know, if you if you want to talk to me, we got to talk about, you know, 813s and 811s and 807s and, you know. Dark gap. You know, spark gap. Well, that's what we got to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, no, I'm coming up on 50 here in July. Uh -huh. So uh, that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, I will try to contact you as I mentioned. Uh, next week I'll be out, but I, when I get back, I'll uh, I'll try to schedule something with you on the calendar there. Yeah, it would be fun. I'd, yeah. I'd love to hear your story, and so would all the listeners. Yeah, great, great. Well, hey, let's 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 jump over real quick here to uh, the ham. Radio Expo, and uh, I've, I've got your website pulled up. Let's see. I think I had it pulled up here. Let's see if I can. Uh, let's see if I can. Well, I don't know what I can do in here. Uh, let's see. Here's the. Hey, guys, the uh, QSO Today website is just. Right. Uh, what is that? QSOToday.com if you want that's, to. Uh, that's the podcast. And yeah. if you click on the, um, the Expo um, logo on the right there under ICOM. Oh, I see it there. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to click on it, and we'll see what happens here. Well, look you there. How about that? Hey, it's coming up soon. Tell us about it. 
Sure. So the QSO today virtual ham expo uh, started when uh, when COVID was closing every ham radio option uh, in 2020. So uh, I got this idea. I said this to my wife. I said, you know, I, I have these, I have plane tickets to Dayton. I have a hotel reservation to Dayton and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I said, I've got this idea. Maybe I should do a virtual convention. And I'd never, I, I have no idea what a virtual convention was at the time. I started Googling virtual convention platforms. Uh, you know, how to do this mm -hmm. so that it looks and feels like a an, a convention. And uh, I found um, a, a number of companies, but they were also overwhelmed with every every other person having the same idea that there should be a virtual convention. Mm -hmm. That um, with all conventions closing, they all went virtual. So I actually found a company that's the one we've been using since the very beginning. That's a company called VFairs. And at the time... Um, they were so busy that they said, if you want us to reply, write contract in the uh, in the subject line on your email to get our attention. So I did that, and that's kind of how the relationship with uh, VFair started. Uh, so the first uh, convention was August 2020. Uh, that, at that time, that was a free ticket. It was full of uh, sponsors. Uh, because they had no place to go uh, except uh, except for the QSO to the Virtual Ham Expo. And uh, we had 25,000 uh, people come to that expo. And what was interesting was the platform was actually able to handle, you know, that number of registrations. And I think uh, simultaneously at any given moment uh, during that weekend, we had about 15,000 on the platform. So we, we learned all kinds of uh, things that we didn't know before in terms of how to manage a, a, um, a group. Um, I did it six months later in March of 2021 and cocked it all up. And uh, um, admittedly, I, admittedly, with my uh, hat in my hand, I begged everybody's forgiveness, uh, hoping that they would come back to a third one. Um, so I, I made sure that I played it straight and narrow in August of 2021, and I've so far done um, five QSO Today Virtual Ham Expos. The primary, I think the primary value, um, as uh, I think uh, Bill and Glenn will tell you, is, is that we have outstanding speakers, uh, speaker presentations, usually um, between um, 40 and 100 presentations, depending upon how um, busy people want to be. Uh, the platform, or at least it, my, my feeling is, is that I take anybody who wants to make a presentation, regardless of whether they have a reputation for making presentations. Mm -hmm. So it's been an, uh, an option for, uh, for new people to actually come into the public limelight and uh, present what they have to say about ham radio. Um, Almost all of the presentations are amazing. Uh, sometimes there's a few that are not, but I, but like the great grandchildren, I never, I don't show favoritism, and um, and so therefore I don't want to, uh, you know, call anybody out. I guess the the people who vote with their feet are the ones that will make the the decision. But I think as of this point, I have over 370 presentations in the can. Uh, that include live uh, Q&A. 
and almost all of those are available on the Expo website. Well, great. Um, you know, it's just like being there. You've got so many different rooms and places you can go. And, uh, you know, I was looking at the, uh, I was looking at the uh, uh, picture of the Expo here. Let's see. Let's go back to it here. I could actually show you. Yeah. Show you the Expo, what it looked like last time. Sure. Yeah. Give us, let us see that if you want to. Um, you need to, enable I'll turn sharing, sharing on. There, what was that? You need to enable your yeah, sharing. Yeah, I'll turn sharing on for you. And as somebody who's presented and just gone to these uh, <clears throat> virtual, I cut, you know, basically it's a virtual ham fest. It's really interesting because not only do you have the forums, multiple forums going on simultaneously, but you have areas that you can congregate and it's like you're sitting at a table. They're little miniature chat rooms within the whole environment. So you can just look around and see who's at a given area and just hop in a chair there and join that small conversation. And you just have dozens of these going on all throughout. Plus you can talk to the vendors and everything there it's 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 about as close to a ham fest i think as you can get without being there and i have to agree with that uh, i met some people that i hadn't seen for years in those little chat rooms uh it was like it was really kind of neat to, to hook up with some people that i uh, hadn't seen for a long time and uh, the i also mentioned that the you could go to vendor booths and talk to the vendors and that was really cool. So it was just exactly like going to a ham fest. Only you didn't have to drive, didn't get to get the hotel room. Oh, look at that. That is a big place. Right. It's um this was the this is the last um September's uh, expo uh lobby. Uh the V Fairs allows us to change the locations, so we try to change locations each time. But essentially, when you arrive at the expo, you arrive in, in a lobby like this. Um, we're, we've simplified it down. It, you know, at the very beginning, when we first did this, you know, it was kind of, um, it, was, uh, it was new and novel. We had an outside lobby, so there were cars parked out in front, and you click on the building, and you go inside. Uh, and then you have a, a huge lobby like the one you were showing earlier, uh, Tom, from the still graphic. Um, this one is, is um, and I'll just show you, it, it kind of works the same way. As you, you click on one of the banners and it takes you to their booth. So let's see if I click on the ARRL. Um, let's see if there actually is a booth there. See, we're right, right now in the process of rebuilding this for um, next week. So... And there we go. So, so then you go to a, a virtual um, booth. Um, the, each of the graphics has a, a link to something. Um, there's also uh, buttons and a bu menu bar underneath of the booth that actually will take you to their lounge. Um, we're doing something um, different. The last two um, expos, as Bill described, we actually used a product called Kumo Space that was integrated with the uh, platform. And those, uh, each of the, um, the the vendors and groups had uh, their own room that was um, either decorated as a, as a living room or a, a backyard or something like that. Um, what we've done now is, is we're actually uh, doing what's called a roundtable lounge. This is a feature that I 
that was on a company called AirMeet that I used in the second expo, and the integration didn't go well. So um, uh, VFairs has been very good about listening to my uh, roadmap uh, suggestions, and so they've integrated uh, this um, roundtable lounge into the uh, into the system. So, in fact, um, this is what this roundtable lounge will look like this time. Each each of the groups and sponsors has their like Flex Radio here has two tables with um, 16 chairs, and uh, all you do is you you mouse over a chair. And you take one, and now you're sitting in a session that's kind of like Zoom um, with the other occupants at the table. But the nice thing is, is you can actually go through the lounge here. So I have tables for like Flex Radio, um, Prepcom, Bigali, um, the Ham Radio Workbench, Rat Pack. And you can actually see who's sitting at the chairs before you decide to actually take a chair in one of these, um, one of these lounges. So you'll have the ability to actually uh, buy um, by subject. So here's a DXing and contesting table. So if you're an expert or you want to learn more about a specific uh, area of ham radio, you take a seat and hopefully somebody will join you or a bunch of people will join you and you'll have an opportunity to, um, to learn more about that subject. The, um, there's also a bunch of tables that are uh, tables of eight that are not assigned to anything. So uh, as Bill was saying, uh, when I first did this table idea in the second uh, expo, I actually um, was reacquainted with friends I hadn't seen in almost uh, uh, 45 years uh, who came to the expo, and they pinged me and said, Let, let's go talk at you know, table 32. And uh, so we go to 32, and we're having a conversation. So the, the hope is, is, is that um, if, if people are not in presentations, and we have almost 46 presentations this time, that they'll actually come back to this roundtable lounge like they would at a regular show and, um, and spend some time uh, talking with the other hams. Now, the, um, the theme this time is um, a new technician license, now what? Well, that doesn't mean we want only new technicians that don't know what to do with their license. We also want experienced hams to come and talk to those new technicians about ham radio. And the idea that I had was is, is that I think that I see on social media, I see a lot of hams take the, they take the technician class license and then they, they buy quickly the Chinese VHF, UHF handheld radio and are for a number of reasons, perhaps disappointed with the uh, mm -hmm. the way that it works, the reception. If they live in a major metropolitan area, perhaps the radio is overwhelmed by the uh, the adjacent uh, RF signals, so they're overloaded. They don't work well, uh, and so therefore they become disappointed with the ham radio experience. And so, what I wanted to demonstrate at the expo this time was. There's a, an amazing world uh, and universe of opportunities for technician class licensees, um, especially above uh, 50 megahertz, uh, that they can do all kinds of things and enjoy the license and use that license as a license to learn uh, more about ham radio before they um, start uh, going after the general class or even the extra class. Um, so I'm trying to encourage hams not to um, go from uh, technician to extra in three months, 
that they should actually do what we did um, almost 50 years ago and enjoy the, the first license experience and learn as much as they can, perhaps with the help of a mentor, or at least use the expo as a potential mentor to, um, to enjoy ham radio, gain some knowledge, gain some expertise, and then, um, and then decide what they want to do after that. And so that's kind of the theme of the expo this time. And we have a wide variety of presentations to, um, to, to make that a reality. So uh, just a, a couple questions. Um, number one, all hams like food. Do you have a food court? <laughs> you know, th that's a funny question, uh, Tom. I actually thought, you know, in uh, I think in the first expo, I thought let's put a food court in the main lobby, and the food court could be one of these um, uh, companies like Tasty Taxi or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Surprisingly, I couldn't get a single one of those companies to reply to me. Is it's, that right? All, all you have to do is you build a virtual booth and, you know, you know, click link to their uh, website so that, you know, people could order fast food or something like that delivered to their home, even during COVID. I thought that was a crazy idea. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get them. I couldn't get any of the uh, of these companies to respond to me. Uh, which was surprising. I, I would have thought that, you know, with uh, the audience that we had uh, at the time and even the audiences we've had since, uh, we still get a few, at least a few thousand that come to the expo. So uh, it seems to me that we could sell an awful lot of hamburgers. Uh, yeah. Uh, Eric, I have a question about, uh, have you given some thought about a flea market area? Because that's always a big part of a, uh, of a ham fest. Um, I've given a lot of thought to a flea market area. I think that um, that unfortunately, uh, I think it's a it's an it's an amazing um, uh, it's an amazing opportunity to have potential liability, and um, so I, I I've kind of shied away from it. I know people want it. I think eBay does it better, so it'd be it would be great to find a way to. You know, embed eBay into um, into the flea market idea, so that you have the maybe the live interaction with the with the uh, person selling stuff, but um, that the maybe the data the trans the, the the transactions are processed on a platform like eBay, where you've got um, all kinds of stuff that they've figured out how to do in the last ten years. That uh, that I I think I'd be reinventing the wheel. But that's an interesting idea, you know, to have the that live interaction um, at the same time with a, with an eBay purchase. Well, another thing, Eric, I know that having a vendor put the site together like this probably cost uh, a gazillion bucks. You got a lot of money invested in this, uh, and I'm sure there's a, a price for uh, an entry ticket. Do yes. You, uh, the, the the platform this time the platform will cost about twenty thousand dollars for the weekend uh -huh. and uh, so it's it's real money uh, the expo is not popular amongst vendors or at least um, even if I call vendors personally they don't answer hmm. or they um, they don't want to talk about the expo so I'm sorry from that standpoint of course we've got Flex Radio we've got um, Bigali Key. Uh, we've got Prepcom. Um, those are the 
the last men standing, but uh, the ticket is $15, and that ticket helps to um, put the expo up for the weekend and allow people to enjoy the presentations and the and the social interaction. But no, these uh, systems are, are are very expensive. The reason for this, by the way, is well, you know why don't we just do this on Zoom? Is is that that we're doing um, uh, four and five presentations per hour, and we're doing this on platforms that are able and capable of handling um, at least two or 3,000 people per presentation uh, simultaneously. So you need a, an awful lot of um, platform uh, that, that expands as the, uh, as the audience expands. And you need a, a lot of um, caching locally to the people that are watching it. So um, that's one of the reasons for the expenses is that there's a, a, a huge instance on Amazon AWS that's running this um, this expo, and um, and there's uh, uh, caching companies that are caching the the uh, video and stuff locally to the people that are watching it in North America, so that they have a great user experience. And now that we've um, as we've uh, iterated this. Uh, Expo over the last uh, five times, uh, we now have our presentation system is actually embedded in the CFAIRS platform. It's no longer Zoom. It's no longer um, uh, Restream, which is what we've used the last two times. We're actually the SQL I/O uh, system is actually embedded in the CFAIRS platform, which means that we can have a user experience similar to what you're doing, Tom, in terms of how you're broadcasting um, and. We have a green room for guests, but when we go to live Q&A, everyone is in the same room. So we, we, at that point, we just open it up to the audience, and the audience, can we can bring them on stage. We can take their questions in chat. Uh, so we, we know who's there, uh, and, and as a result of that, we're, we're, I've, I've finally gotten what I've asked for uh, since the very beginning in terms of the feature set that would make a better user experience. So we try... Or I try. Uh, the, it's no longer as much we anymore because um, I've automated almost all of the back-end process for preparing the expo. Uh, that's how I. That's why I've taken the profits from the uh, from the expo is to, um, to to spend a lot of time writing software and uh, running the back-end. But uh, essentially, what we've done is is we've finally gotten the feature set that we've asked for from the very beginning. To, to make a nice, uh, smooth uh, user interaction with the expo and that the presentations come off. Um, and what we're doing is, is we're also recording those presentations uh, from the beginning so that at the end we actually have a presentation with live question and answers. And I happen to think the question and answers are as valuable as the presentations themselves mm -hmm. uh, because certainly every presentation leaves questions. Yeah, I agree. Um Brett in the chat room actually has a good idea. He said this time of year you could get Girl Scouts to sell cookies, and uh, you could probably put a link for their online site for them, and that they'd do great business. Absolutely, and we and we should also uh, put a link to the American Heart Association as well uh, for those people that had too many cookies. Hey, Eric, uh, <laughs> uh, as a small vendor, uh, what would be the cost? For a small vendor, I know it probably ranges by 
capability, but what would be the cost on that to do a, a booth? For the so the, uh, the, the smallest booth was $500. And uh, that I did something different this time. I, I actually asked all of the vendors, and there aren't many, but for, for example, um, uh, Flex Radio is a gold sponsor, so they, they spent uh, considerably more than $500 to be a gold sponsor. They get more tables in the round table lounge. Um, they get um, I, four to six live presentations. Uh, so they're, they could be like infomercials but on the one hand. On the other hand, I've encouraged vendors to actually be more practical in terms of um, you know, use their product to solve a, pro a ham radio problem uh, rather than just you know, be an infomercial. Uh, Flex Radio has been very good about that. Uh, Bruna Bigali at Bigali Key is actually going to um, do two presentations where she's actually, she, I think some people might want to see um, what the history of the Bigali Key company was. Apparently Pietro Bigali actually started, um, he's a, a fine mechanical engineer and he was building knitting machines. So the the ham radio interest actually changed, uh, morphed the company into um, making uh Morris code keys, but but originally um, they were um, they were making machines for uh, for knitting things, and so I think that that'll be a very interesting uh, uh, presentation. So those of us who actually love Bigali keys uh, and and uh, understand or appreciate the artistry of those keys, will will see how did that really start. So I think that that's where we're going. We don't have very many sponsors this time, and that's uh, again. Uh, the reason for the the uh, higher ticket price this time. And let me say yeah. that Begali keys are just absolutely gorgeous. By the way, if you've never seen one, they are gorgeous. Well, I could show you. I could show you one that's that's unique. If you haven't seen this, yeah, one. I'll see it here. This, you oh, see yeah. this one here? Yeah. Well, each year, Bengali has uh, given a key uh, for us to give away at the Dayton Hamvention on our, our webcast, and man, yeah, I, this is um, this key was made for the expo's first anniversary. Yeah, there's only 21 of them in the world, and there will only ever be 21 in the world. Yeah, this is number one. Wow, and uh, it weighs about 50 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> But it's a beautiful key, and um, and they I, I love working with them. They're 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 very nice people, uh, nice family business. Well, I was going to show you. I I uh, I have a key here. I want to show you. Uh, I uh, when we gave away the Bengali key last year, uh, one of the places. You know, sometimes you know people that win prizes, they don't do CW. You know. You know, oh, I can never do CW. So, thinking, okay, he doesn't want it. So, so I, I, I just say, hey, you know, if you don't want it, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. No, 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 I'm gonna keep it. So, yeah, I didn't get my Bengali key. Uh, I've got, and this thing weighs about twenty pounds. This is a. Let me see if I can get a better picture up here. This is a Vibraplex that uh, my parents bought me in 1964. Wow. And, uh, boy, it's really heavy. It's a good key, you know, pretty good key. But I tell you, the Begali key, man, it has some precision in it, I think. It's very, very well built. Yeah, there's no springs. It's uh, He's using magnets. and Yeah. And I, I didn't know this, but um, Bruna, 
the uh, Pedro's uh -huh. uh, daughter and uh, now the CEO of the company uh, is actually has uh, degrees in industrial design, and so she, uh, many of the keys, the sculpture series yeah. uh, keys, are designed by her along with her oh, husband, wow. with her father. So yeah, um, it's a real family business in terms of uh, of working together to create um, not only amazing art but something that's quite functional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, I'm excited for you. I think your expo is going to still be really good this year, even though some of the vendors aren't coming. Uh, it's still exciting, and hams like to get together in these things, so we're going to wish you just great success in it. Uh, I'm, well, thank I, you very much. Yeah. I look forward to um, as many people coming as possible, and um, and I'm hoping that the experience for, uh, for hams that um, – Maybe our new have new technician class licenses or new licenses in general will learn something and find a direction. The the other thing is is, is that there's a lot of us old timers who um, maybe want to, you know, say that there's something new. Occasionally, I'll hear on social media that um, the old timers will say, "Oh, there's nothing new in ham radio." Um, I, I like to say that ham radio is like the old time circus that had a midway. And this midway has in ham radio has a thousand tents, uh, so there's there's something new for even old hams to learn uh, that might take them in a direction that they had never thought uh, to take before. So I'm hoping that uh, old timers will also come and discover something new about ham radio that they didn't know before. All right. Well, hey, Eric, thanks so much for being with us tonight. I know. Hey, it's three. 342 there. 342 there, man. And uh, hey, you're welcome to stick around with us the rest of the night if you want to and take part and jump in there and yell if you want to. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we're going to do we're gonna, the right thing and go yeah. get some sleep. Yeah, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and move on now. But hey, appreciate it. I wish I was here next the next week and I could attend the uh, expo, but I'm going to be out and uh, it's just not going to work out for me. I will contact well, I might, you. I will can contact I point you. point out, Tom, one thing? Yeah. That is, 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 is that if you can't attend the expo for the weekend, the system is on demand for 30 days after. Oh. So all of the presentations will be on the platform uh, as we, you know, we, we edit them a little bit once they're made so that they're nice and clean and we'll put those back up on the platform. But anybody that has a ticket or misses the week, weekend can also come back and okay. access uh, all the resources on the platform uh, for 30 days. So great. Uh, you don't have to miss the expo if you miss the weekend. All right. Well, great, man. Hey, thanks so much again for being with us. It's and guys, pleasure. we've Thank been talking to, yeah, we've been talking uh, to uh, Eric uh, 4Z1UG. And it is late, in it, or maybe I should say it is early in, uh, in Israel right this moment, man. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Hey, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with you. And um, we got Dr. Duano coming up here in just a minute. Cabin fever. Spring into the new year with ICOM. ICOM's newest amateur FM transceiver is the IC V3500. And it's ready to hit the road with whatever you're doing. With a compact body and simple interface, this radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look, the ICT-10 is a rugged portable that meets or exceeds standard military testing. 
With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT-10 can withstand any fuel activities ahead. Hear any transmission and listen to FM broadcasts with the loud 1.5-watt speaker. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick and QRP companion. Base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers. It's a portable package. It covers HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with an RF direct sampling. Most of the HF bands and IF sampling. The ID5100A is innovation and mobility taken to the next level. Designed from user input, the ID5100 offers an intuitive user interface experience with an industry-leading touchscreen display. Additionally, the ID5100 connects with Android devices and Bluetooth headsets via the optional Bluetooth module. The ID5100A is one of the most advanced dual-band mobiles on the market today. And last but not least is the ID52A. It's a VHF-UHF dual-bander with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions and is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex repeater regional and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM Radio. All right, we are, we're back everybody, and again, hey, we're about mid-show, and uh, just again, want to welcome you. If you're out there on WBCQ, shortwave listening, on 7490, we're really uh, glad you're with us. Shoot us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where you are. Tell us how you're here in the station. You know, we're not a real high-powered shortwave station. We're only running about 50,000 watts, and uh, the transmitter is right up on the border of uh, Maine and Canada, right there at the borderline. So, But, you know, a lot of people around the world do hear it, so let us know if you hear it there. Uh, again, join our Facebook group. It's just called W5KUB. We'll get you in that Facebook group. Uh, we've got about thirteen to 14,000 uh, ham radio operators and shortwave listeners in that group. We'd love to have you. Um, and subscribe. If you will, subscribe to our, our YouTube channel there. All right, well, I'm looking forward to the next segment here. We're going to be talking about Arduino. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Arduino? Yep, you got it. Did I get it? You got it. All right. Well, my southern accent, I didn't didn't know if I was getting it right or not, but uh, we've got Dr. Duino with us tonight, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, we've got... We've got Dr. Glenn with us tonight. You know, Glenn wrote the book for Ham Radio, uh, Arduino for Ham Radio. So we've got a great pair here, and we're going to turn it over to them, and we're going to learn some about Arduino. So, Glenn, you and uh, Dr. Dr. Duino, pick it up there. All right. Sounds good. Actually, if you don't mind, I'd just prefer to call you Guido, if that's okay with you. <laughs> you know this doctor business i don't know you know they might sue us for not having the titles officially yeah. but um but guido and i met um i reviewed his very first uh product years ago and um i had bought it for myself and just thought it was so cool that uh they uh ARRL came to me and asked to do a review unfortunately i already had one to do so it was you know easy to put together but that's how we met but uh, 
Guido, why don't you tell us how you got into the Arduino and then what you were doing before you jumped into doing the, the products that you build? So I had gotten, uh, well, first of all, I've been doing electronics uh, probably since I was around seven years old or so. And, uh, you know, went to school, got my electrical engineering degree, got my master's degree, and uh, worked my way up the ladder. I was the director of engineering for a little over 17 years or so. Uh, and during that time, I, you know, I'm, I'm always building something and use, you know, the traditional embedded tool chains that I was using at my day job just because, you know, they tend to end up being somewhat cumbersome to actually set up and get to, you know, just to, to just blink a light usually takes about a week. So I started um, to kind of search for what was an easier tool chain. And as I was Googling stuff, I ran into this thing called Arduino and I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to have to give this a shot. So, you know, I did with what everybody does. I grabbed a, a quick kit and I started to kind of just tinker around with it at first. And I was really shocked to see ju at just how quickly you could get really incredible projects running without having to get all of the tool chains and all of, you know, kind of the idiosyncrasies, which usually go hand in hand with dealing with, um, larger again larger tool chain so uh i started messing with this project that i call orbis and uh i, I like to do a lot of laser wood cutting and uh mechanical design so i started to build this thing in my home that would uh i don't ha i don't i should have a picture of it with me but basically what happens is it's this giant um wooden clock essentially and i wanted to control a bunch of motors and some leds and so i used arduino for the first time to actually control all of that and i began to realize i was like wow arduino is really awesome except debugging it using the tool the, the you know oscilloscopes and dmms that we're kind of used to that became a little bit challenging so i said well let me see if i could just make my own shield for it uh and as i started to kind of build it and I was showing some people that, you know, are in the maker community with me. And they're like, wow, this, this thing's really awesome. And I said, oh, okay, well, maybe there's something here. Let me try throwing this thing up on Kickstarter. And this was around 2014 or so. And uh, it worked. It, it got funded at 128%, uh, delivered right on time. So it was a, it was a great kind of um, initial project with Arduino. So it was a lot of fun to do. And um from there, it was just, you know, I, I just kept building more and more complex projects with it. That's kind of when Glenn and I had bumped paths. Um, and that, that's kind of the beginning. Very cool. Now, one of my first Arduino projects was a, a keyboard that you could type on and it would send Morse code. And uh, that was actually a derivative of a project I had done as my first writing project back in like 1979. But what was your first major Arduino project that you put together? That one that I just described, Orbis, that was definitely my first major project. Um, you know, I, again, I, I had been doing electronics for a number of years prior. So, you know, controlling motors, lights, sound, and all that was pretty, um, not new to me, but it was new in the Arduino space. So it was, uh, but I was just really floored by how fast it was. You know, normally a project of that size would have taken me, you know, months. Uh, and I did it in just a couple of weeks. So it was it was pretty awesome. Well, there's something else that you've you've talked about, and uh, I know you're a big fan of the movie Goonies, and you put together something that just is absolutely incredible for that. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? 
Sure. So can I share my screen here? Because that might be... Sure. Sure. Just, I'm just going to switch stuff around here. Yeah, so as Glenn said, I'm a huge fan of the movie The Goonies. Just bear with me as my computer switches screens here. But like Guido was saying, that was one of the things for me was the ability to build projects just that quick. You know, uh, it was easier to, to code them you know, than it was to wire them. The wires, you know, 10 wires and you're done. And code was, you know, half a dozen lines. Anyway, what you got here? So this is uh, what I affectionately call Goonie Box. And um, it's basically my version of kind of an old grandfather clock. I had always wanted to build my own grandfather clock for as long as I can remember. I just, I love uh, mechanical things. And around the time that I was kind of, beginning to come up with this this idea that okay i'm gonna build my own clock right i was hunting for some furniture with my girlfriend and i ran into this clock that you see here and this has it's a little deceiving because this is a really large clock this thing stands well over six feet tall and this dial in the middle here you could actually go over to it you could turn it and what that would do is that would spin this hourglass that was in the middle and that hourglass was about three feet ish long something like that and around that time i was also playing this game called the room now if you're into escape rooms or if you like puzzles i highly recommend this game and the very first game of the game the room is very goonie box looking so i kind of had the, you know the inspiration uh from these physical clocks but then inside of the game the room it has like a bunch of puzzles where you press things in certain sequences and doors open i just really loved that and so um as Glenn mentioned, my favorite movie is hands down still the uh, the the movie The Goonies, and so I named it Goonie Box. Now, um, Goonie has two different modes to it. This is one of the modes here, and this this is really a bit deceiving because Goonie Box is actually quite large. It stands. I, I need to take the measurements again. Some somewhere around thirty six inches tall, something like that. Maybe a little bit bigger. But you can see here at the top there, those that's the Roman Roman numeral hours that are spinning. And then in the middle, that's a very heavy hourglass that will spin. And again, this is all Arduino driven. And the sound is also driven by Arduino as well. So this is gameplay mode. And uh, so when it's not doing, you know, when it's not keeping time, you can go over to the box, and on the other side, as you begin to interact with it, doors begin to open, and one of the doors that opens will give you this key that you see here. So when you slide this key into this uh, into this lock, you can gain access to this one of the final puzzles here. Now this is all 3D printed, and these are controlling. In here, there's somewhat somewhere close to around 100 RGB LEDs, which will give you a little over 16 million different colors, and the premise of this game was that I wanted somebody to come over to it and uh, they would kind of mess with these plastic bricks. And this is all 3D printed, nothing here, except for like, uh, you know, metal brackets on the inside. Everything's custom. Uh, so this is all totally custom. And what you'll notice here is that there's this laser beam that shoots down as soon as I move this plastic wedge over. And inside of this wedge, there's a tiny little hole. And in that tiny little hole is a mirror. And you'll notice as soon as it hits... The mirror, it moves over to this side. And if you notice what happens as I'm moving these slides is that the uh, this back panel here begins to change from red to green. 
And that's kind of this, you know, kind of signifies to the user, oh, maybe I should keep doing more. And that's one of the, I think, four, maybe five doors uh, will pop open when you answer the questions correctly. So this is actually, this is the innards of Box, And um, so this is running what's called an App Mega 2560. It's way down here. Uh, this was kind of a passion project that I was working on, um, you know, after hours. So this is a larger type board than what a, a normal Arduino, you know, usually people get started with either an Arduino Uno or Nano. This is using a 2560, which just has a lot more IO. It's a lot of, it's a bigger board. There are two of these two uh, 583 ounce inch torque motors. One is over here, the other one's up here, and that's how I'm swinging the um, the hourglass and the Roman numeral dial at the top there. It does have Bluetooth inside of it because I wanted for somebody to uh, I, I didn't want to have a manual with Goonie Box. I wanted it to kind of be this living creation, right? So as soon as you plug in Goonie Box, it will announce to you, hey. Uh, talk to me at 9600 baud using just a regular cell phone and the instructions are there on a serial output. There's about 100 smart LEDs. Uh, there's custom-made buttons all over it. There's lasers and mirrors. There's a bunch of servos. That's actually how I am popping open the door. Uh, so as soon as somebody answers a question correctly, you'll notice up here, here's one of the servos. The servo horn will, you know, rotate over. These um, the boxes are all spring-loaded. So as soon as the, the, the horn gets out of the way, the the... Uh, box is allowed to spring open. Now there's these huge slide potentiometers. That's how I know where, what the, the position of where that mirror is inside of the laser game. I'm just basically me measuring uh, the voltage. Uh, there's a music controller and roughly 65 miles worth of wire. Now people usually ask me uh, how long does it take to build? Usually it takes me about this. This entire thing took me about uh, 800 hours or so, and so. Only about 25% of it was spent doing the electronics. And that's really, you know, thanks to uh, Arduino, right? Because it, it just really reduces the amount of time that you need in order to, to build projects. So the rest of the time was really spent in rendering and making sure that things uh, would pass my clearances and tolerances and whatnot. So this is kind of another look at Goonie Box. This was the very first night. That's my dog's foot in the uh, bottom left there. Uh, this was the very first night I got Goonie Box home. It's not glued together. This is me just testing tolerances to make sure that everything was smooth here. And what you're going to notice here in just a second is that inside of Goonie Box, there is uh, you know, a circuit board that was made custom. But I was only able to do this because I used uh, a version of my Doctorino kit to make this. So this it really just sped up development um, by orders of magnitude. So basically, you created the, the first Dr. Duino board for yourself as much as anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that how it uh, works? <laughs> yeah, it came, it came from uh, necessity. I wanted to be able to build stuff faster. Um, so let me show you. If, if you're not familiar with Arduino, I'll go through this part. Uh, sure. quickly there's really just uh there's an arduino type board inside of every kit uh there's something called the integrated developing environment uh, that's where you do all of your coding there's a breadboard obviously a bunch of components leds pots whatnot uh, and then pounds of wire and then uh some clear directions depending on where you get your kits from so this is a typical arduino uno on the left hand side here now this comes from arduino themselves arduino is an, is an italian based company uh, and on the right-hand side here, what you see is something called a clone. So Arduino's uh, 
open source. And if you're not familiar, that really just means, hey, world, use our intellectual property um, and make make your boards exactly like ours. And what that did was that kind of gave rise to uh, the clones that you see here on the right. Now, there are a couple of gotchas when it comes to these types of clones, but uh, by and large, the clones are totally fine. Um, the biggest gotcha is probably that a lot of times people don't know that you need to use the CH340 driver. Uh, and once you do, the Arduino clones work just fine. This is what the older IDE looks like. There's a newer version called 2.0, or two. I think they're up to, what, Glenn, 204, I think. I have um, followed it. I'm still on 1.8. Yeah. Um, but this is where all of your code is. It's a free download from Arduino.cc, and it works with Windows, Linux, and Mac. Uh, I will warn you that it definitely works better with Windows uh, than Mac, and then, uh, like, last, Linux. I, I get a lot of customers who try to use it with Linux, and there's always, you know, some sort of issue with drivers or whatnot. Uh, this is where your code is written. It's called a sketch. Uh, it's in a very easy-to-learn C-type language. Um, and then this is, you know, kind of, I think, what everybody's used to. And eventually, uh, that initial kit that Glenn had mentioned, uh, I kind of retired that, and I moved to a more robust platform. This, what you see here, is called the Dr. Duino Explorer Edition. And this really has everything that you see here built in and then some. So I really wanted an all-inclusive platform that would allow you to, you know, instead of having to, like, hunt down wires and um, hunting for components all the time, you could just pop on an Uno, which goes on the back of the board, a little hard to see here, or a Nano, and put it onto the front of the board right here and have everything kind of at your disposal. So, so you'd have switches, LEDs, you have uh, addressable LEDs right here, which, again, can do uh, over 16 million colors. There's a bunch of pots down here. Uh, an LDR. This is a dedicated power module uh, if you need to run something which is uh, a bit higher than just 5 volts. Uh, a built-in OLED, and then finally a BLE module sitting right here. So that yeah. is that's the Explorer. Well, there's something else there. Uh, you've got connectors for a shield right on top of the breadboard area. Yes. So that uh, in my case, I would build a prototype shield and use it there. And then you've got these jumpers around the edge of the board. What are what are those doing? And so one of the the biggest things that I found with working with Arduino was like you know when when you try to get in between the signal right if you wanted to uh, kind of be able to determine if you have a hardware or a software problem well Arduino is a stackable system so it makes it very difficult to to kind of get into the middle in between your your stacks. So what these jumpers allow you to do is kind of intercept the signal. Uh, so, for example, on the nano that you see here, uh, one of the signals, um, for example, would go out to this LED. Well, if you move this jumper over by one position, instead of it going out to the uh, to the LED, what it would do is come up to this header up here. And now you could very easily determine hardware from uh, from coding issues. So that's what the, these are called rerouted jumpers. Um, and it reroutes the signal from the Arduino Uno or Nano up to these female sockets. Yeah, and the, the Explorer is the one that I use predominantly in my development. Uh, but you also have a, a more basic one uh, called the Pioneer, I believe. Uh, tell yeah, us so a little the, bit about that one. Sure. Let me just, I'm just going to uh, stop sharing my screen. I was hoping you had a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, let me just, uh, I'm going to try to get it for you really quick. Yeah, the Pioneer is really meant for the, the more beginner. Um, has a lot of the same DNA that you'll see 
Just trying to grab it here really quick. Uh, if not, I can probably find one real quick. Here it is. I got it. So this is the um, this is the pioneer, and so you can see it's it's really kind of it's it's much smaller than the explorer. The explorer is probably three times that size, roughly, uh, but the pioneer is really meant to be something that you can kind of you know just put literally onto your computer, you know, and keep it in front of you almost in your lap and be able to program and learn about electronics and learn about the coding environment and whatnot. So it's a good uh, beginner platform for sure. Yeah, and that's that's really uh, what I, I have seen, and that's what I've been recommending because I got started, and I think you probably got started the same way. I went to eBay, and I bought me an Arduino kit, and it came with an Uno and a breadboard and a 1,000 components, and I probably never used but a, you know, a third of the components it came with. You know, they were just not usable in real projects. And so that's the thing I like about the Pioneer and the original Redboard uh, and the Explorer is anything you're going to prototype, you pretty much have it there with the pots, the switches, the LEDs, the buzzer. So you can really do a lot of your prototyping right there. And then when you're done, move off to the and build the real hardware, you know, do a circuit board or whatever you need, and you're done. And it really speeds up for me the prototyping time. Yeah, it's it's um whenever I do anything, uh, it, it is always my kind of go to go to tool for sure. Now, um, there's something you did here recently. I'm probably going to catch you flat-footed. You did something really really cool for uh, one of the kids uh, in your area. You built him an Arduino-powered car. Or wheelchair. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm part of a, a, a makerspace here in Long Island that um, we work with. Uh, it's called a magic wheelchair, and what they do is they partner us, the makers, with a uh, a local teen who is disabled, and you know who they and a lot of times they want uh, a costume, right? And unfortunately, there, there's no costumes really off the shelf that are readily available for them, and so they turn to us to be able to make them something not just cool, but something real stellar right so um i was part of a small team of engineers and artists that created this um was buzz, not buzz light here um lightning mcqueen and uh so it was all out of a lot of wood but the engineer who designed the frame and all actually managed to make all the wood curved it was really amazing and he he wanted was lots of lots of sounds so i embedded kind of a sound controller and i was able to make the wheels move on on it so it was, it was a very fun project yeah do you have a picture of that handy or um or not? let me but, i'm sure yeah. that i do because that was actually just a really gorgeous project when it was finished but um, it really just shows what you can do with the arduino it's not just a toy it's an extremely practical thing to work with and Absolutely. Uh, that's the thing I like. And uh, while you're looking for that, we can talk about your, your latest and greatest, where you're going next with the Arduino and, and the compatibles there. 
So I'm actually, I've got two projects that are really on the horizon. The one uh, you've seen a little bit of, so that's the, the Dr. Duino Inventor Edition, which is still kind of in the pipe, but that's uh, ES, ESP32 driven. Um, so it's it's kind of like an Arduino, except, uh, my goodness, it, it can just do a lot more than your, your traditional Uno or Nano can do. Um, so that that's the first one. And then the second one is I, I've been asked for a very, very long time for a more generic or a more basic entry-level kit. And so uh, one that doesn't require soldering. One of the things that I didn't mention was that a lot of the, the kits that, well, all of the kits that I provide, they require uh, soldering. So the, the kit that I'm working on right now actually won't require soldering. And uh, But that's kind of on the horizon, not, not quite there just yet. Now, what board is that one going to be based on, if I can ask? Yeah, so that one's going to be for an Arduino Uno. Yeah. Okay, very yeah. cool. Yeah, because I do get asked myself a lot, you know, where's the basic stuff? And I've been pointing them to the Pioneer, and then I say you can grow up to the Explorer. And the Inventor, um, you know, I can go ahead and kind of let this out of the bag right now. Uh, I turned the Inventor review into QST uh, just the other week, so it believe it's going to be out in the May issue of QST. And, uh, yeah, and I got to play with it, and I tell you, it's really, really nice. Uh, just the demo software and example software, um, it, it shows everything that you can do with this. This thing's got an MP3 player, and Guido, you have to fill in the rest, because, I mean, it's just got so many things on it. Yeah, so the Inventor is really meant to be... I can't find a picture of the car. Um, I was just looking for it. The Inventor is really... It's kind of a culmination of everything that I've been working on, I don't know, since, since forever. So every project of any complexity, no matter if you're building a toaster or a SpaceX rocket, right, it always needs light, sound, motion, communication, and automation. Right? It's, it's one of those... One or more of those elements. And so... Um, I wanted to create a full-featured board that could do that, but also have the capability of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, right? So, uh, but built into the module. So the Inventor Edition really is the culmination of of all of that. Um, that I can I can probably get a picture of that really quick if you want to see that. Yeah, if not, I can run across the other side of the room and grab mine. But uh, um, and the, yeah. the processor in that thing is a beast. It's an ESP32. Um, but it's what, uh, is it like 240 megahertz dual core or something like that? Something like that. I can't even remember. It, yeah. it is It is an absolute uh, beast. Here is a picture of it. So this is the, the Inventor Edition. Um, and I was just, I, I'm in process of restocking. This thing sold out way faster than what I had anticipated, which was, these are good problems to have. Um, so here's the ESP32 that's sitting over here. And again, this has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth inside of it. So it makes it a nice IoT type platform. You've got an OLED over here. Uh, this is a DHT11, which is good for humidity and temperature sensing. Uh, th these are potentiometers. So you'll notice that this has kind of a same similar feel to the, to the Explorer. So it's actually the same exact size as the Explorer. Down here is a motor controller. Um, which will allow you to control either one stepper motor or four DC motors. This is uh, an MP3 player. The LD LDR is sitting over here. Over here are the 
it, instead of using a kind of this LED stick, I built in the addressable LEDs. So there's 16 of them sitting down here. And then over here is uh, a relay so that that way you can do automation. Now, one of the big gotchas that a lot of people run into when, when working with the ESP32 is that this is a 3.3 volt. Um, so in order to talk to everything else, which is still at five volts, you need to use a level shifter. So I, that's built in, which is right here into the board itself. So basically, if you were to look at the board kind of in almost directly in half, so as I'm drawing my uh, my mouse across the screen here, so the bottom section of the board is actually split into five volts. The top is your 3.3 volt, and everything gets split through here. Now, just like on the Explorer, it still has the the jumpers. So uh, that's a. I almost got rid of it, Glenn. I almost got rid of those jumpers. So I was oh, like, no, oh, no, I think, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> As I was starting to mess with, it, I was like, nah, I think, I think that. That's the part that people really like. So up here is still an Arduino-esque footprint, right? So this will fit a standard Arduino uh, shield. Now, obviously, the mappings aren't the same because the, uh, the the I.O. is just different, right? So, But the jumpers work the same. So you can move the, the I.O. from being going from the ESP32 out to the board or up to these uh, sockets at the top. Now, on the bottom, I don't show this, but there's a honking uh, speaker, and it's a, a, like a three-watt speaker. So this thing's super, super loud as well. Yeah, it really is. Now, um, let me ask you this. What are your own, what's your next personal project that you want to do with, with the Arduino line? So, you know, that's a good question. Right now, I've been putting a lot of energy and effort into... Uh, creating this beginner level kit. So I see that there's a lot of, when it comes to on the programming side, right? So I've always wanted to create my own kind of programming course mated with my hardware. And traditionally, I didn't really have that. I had kind of bits and pieces of it. But this this new line that I'm kind of working on uh, really kind of teaches from the ground up. And starts with, I'm a, I'm a real big believer in teaching in small steps and then applying that directly so that that way you, you learn a little bit, you apply it right away. So instead of, you know, it, like when I went to school for electrical engineering, there was a lot of, you know, learn miles of, of formulas and then maybe use it in lab a few weeks from now and you kind of forget, right? So what I wanted to do was create the, this programming course where it's like I give you just a little bit of information. Now let's go use it immediately. And so that way you kind of concrete the the information um, and then I kind of layer on top of it one on top of the other and so that's really I don't have a personal project right now because I've just been putting so much time and effort into this more beginner level um, so that's what I'm that's really what I'll be working on but um, all right um, let's see I was gonna ask something here and it just went in one ear out the other and I'm gone um, Tom uh, yes, sir. Bill you got anything you want to throw in here Hey, go ahead and turn your screen share off, if you will. Sure. Yeah. And we'll get you back on here. There we go. <clears throat> now, it's just been very uh, interesting. Uh, don't know where to start. There's a couple questions in the chat room. Like, what does the, uh, <clears throat> let's see, what are the different kits cost? So it depends. Uh, the lowest end is my, is the Pioneer. Uh, that runs around a hundred bucks or so, uh, but that comes with you know tons of demo code, and then all the way up and through my my Inventor Edition, um, 
you know, that, that'll bring into the kind of low, low threes. So it just kind of depends where you want to be. Um, my newest course, which isn't out yet, uh, hopefully very, very soon. I'm working uh, almost around the clock on it. Uh, that'll be a more entry-level price, uh, okay. sub, sub 100. <clears throat> also, uh, there's a question. When are you going to get your ham license? <laughs> are you interested in doing that, or are you just too busy? You know, I was afraid of this question. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Glenn keeps asking me, I know. <laughs> So it is something that uh, that I'd like to do in the future. Right now, I'm, you know, I, I'm just creating uh, a lot of videos, a lot of a lot of um, courses and stuff. So, not not yet. Uh, maybe sometime next year. Okay. It's kind of a running joke, Guido, because I, uh, I, I reviewed the Phase Doc development system, which is um, with their clicks. You know, you have the boards and you can mount them. It's it's more of a breadboarding style system, and uh, he went to a ham fest to start selling his product. The next thing you know, he went and got his license. So, but uh, what I know what the, the thing I wanted to talk about, and that's one thing about your products that I really enjoy, the quality of the manuals. You don't just give us a, a hand-scribbled sheet of paper on how to use this thing. You put together a manual that's literally step-by-step -step pictures and diagrams, you know, that literally anybody can follow that. Yeah, that was something which was super important to me. Um, I, you know, I remember my I started electronics because of my uncle, who's a physicist, and he would always show me the old heat kit radios. And I remember seeing the diagrams and stuff. And I think that that kind of always stuck with me. So, you know, my manuals are super detailed. And actually, um, I, which I know is sometimes people would prefer a physical manual. So I don't actually provide physical manuals. And I do that very much on purpose because the, the manuals are they're like a living document so a lot of times i'll get feedback from customers and they'll say hey i, I found this part a little bit confusing or um, maybe something just changes right so i want to be able to live update those documents and i do so quite often um but the trade-off is that you know i can keep super detailed you know and keeping videos uh throughout the, the documentation as well so yeah that's something that i i really do take a lot of pride in Okay, we got a question in the chat room, and I'll let you handle this, Guido. I think you're better going to have a better answer than I do. What's the difference between Arduino and a Raspberry Pi? It's like apples and space shuttles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, uh, the best way that I can that I can describe this, and a lot of people, I get this question a lot. It's like, which one's better? Raspberry Pi or Arduino? And the answer is it depends because it really depends on what your use case is. The, the best way to determine that is to ask yourself really one question. And that's, do you want to be able to display things on kind of like a screen? Now, I'm not talking like the, the OLED that you saw on the Explorer or on, or on the Inventor. I'm talking like a cell phone screen or your computer screen. If you want to do graphic-y kind of things, well, then a Raspberry Pi is more applicable for what you want to do. However, if you, if you want to do things like uh, uh, monitoring your environment, maybe taking some temperature data, and then when you hit a certain temperature, maybe you kick on a fan or something, well, Arduino is a better kind of fit for that. So one is not better than the other. Um, it's just a matter of which one is appropriate for your use case. And uh, let's see, that's about all I've got, Bill. Oh, and by the way, uh, you saw them talking about these tractors, Guido, for these balloons. Those are all using the AT Mega 328 chip on the board. So they're all Arduino powered. Oh, that's cool. 
and they're actually transmitting telemetry using uh, what we call our whisper mode, WSPR, which is, uh, what is that, Bill? Weak signal? Propagation uh, report. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and we also have, uh, they also transmit on 144 megahertz do, using our APRS positioning system as well. So these guys have a little transmitter on the board as well. And it's heard Very halfway cool. around the world. Hmm. Very cool. And those are all Arduino powered with a little GPS on board. It's got the smarts that there are certain countries you can't transmit when you're over, such as uh, uh, England and uh, Yemen. Some of Yemen. Yemen. North Korea. And yeah, and so they actually geofence so that it detects when it's in that airspace and it shuts the transmitter down. Wow, so that's cool. These, these are little sophisticated mm -hmm. Arduino powered things. But anyway, um, that's all I've got. Um, Guido, thank you for joining us. This has been fun. Tom, Bill, yeah. you guys got anything? I just uh, wanted to show him one of those trackers, Guido. Oh. And there's a 328. P right there near the GPS. So it's the GPS ML328 running, which I program with Arduino IDE. A little uh, D to A converter to generate tones and a little RF uh, output. And that's uh, a complete system GPS tracker with RF telemetry downlink with an Arduino based uh, platform. And those are that's amazing. Those are 100% solar powered, by the way. There is no batteries right. or anything else. 100% solar powered. Okay, can you can we see the back of it? Is there anything? Is it is it a one side? One side board. Uh, okay, there's a caps. Okay, I was but I've got like, super capacitors on the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, and here's another one right here. Bill's helped us with. Uh, let's see if I can get it on here. A little bit smaller. Cool. It's got the break off uh, programming tab right here, but. Uh, let's see. Tell you what, let me do this. Let me give you a different angle. Let's see. You're coming in. Uh, we'll give you the, give you a different angle. We'll give you a different angle. How's that? Let's see. You can see the Arduino in there. Yeah, that's neat. And it's it's double sided. It's uh got uh got most of the components on the back side. So very cool. That's what it looks like. Couldn't do it without the Arduino. Rock couldn't do it without it. It's very, very neat. Yeah. And I uh, I use a, something called T-Tech. It's a little pogo plug programmer, so there isn't a <clears throat> header on here. There's just pads for the programming port, and uh, you just push it on. There's three guide holes here, and you just push on the pogo plug header, which converts it for, to an IDE header. So it's pretty neat. And that's neat. So that way you, you don't have to put I don't the, have the weight of header. I don't have the weight of the header on it. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. These things are down to grams and, and whatnot. I mean, Tom, what is what is the weight on yours? Uh, the tracker is 1.7 grams. <laughs> and these things, these balloons go around the world multiple times. And... Uh, didn't tell you this unless the they're other day. shot down unless they're shot yeah. down by uh, by uh one of those unidentified balloons objects that was uh shot down was indeed one of our ham radio balloons 
<laughs> really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> but anyway, Guido, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been wonderful. I've enjoyed it, and I hope you have too. And that particular one that was uh, potentially shot, we'll say potentially, but it's pretty good guess. Pretty obvious. Pretty, uh, yeah, it all fits together. Uh, they actually had an Arduino mini board on that one that was shot down. So a half million dollar missile took out an Arduino. <laughs> I think the whole balloon costs like a hundred dollars to put together. Again, wow. And it was flying about 40 something thousand feet. That was over the Yukon. Well, th thank you guys. Right. I really do appreciate you guys having me on. Um, this was fun. Thank you. Well, thank enjoyed you, it, man. and thanks a lot for being with us tonight. And come back uh, again to show us some, yeah. uh, show us your products and the new things you're working on. Yeah, I'd love to see that uh, intro level one that you're working on. I'm uh, I'm really excited about that one. That one's going to be. Um, I think that's going to really kind of change the way people kind of learn and get started because it doesn't one of my major things was i i don't want to inundate the user with like so much information all at once because you know how this is like when you when you're first getting started you, you kind of don't know which way to turn you know there's so much to do so this um this i really focused on trying to make this where it's really step by step using the, the manual system that that you brought up before glenn uh so yeah i'll, I'll reach out to you and uh maybe once it's done I, i'll um I'm happy to show it to you guys. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. And we'll have to can, uh, see if we can get you your ham radio license. So <laughs> there are good. all kinds of fun, uh, very fun projects, as Glenn can tell you, that uh, can be done with ham radio. Yep. And then awesome. All right. Well, thank you uh, again so much for being with us. We uh, really enjoyed it, dear Dr. Dueno. All right. Hey, guys, uh, we got about five minutes left in the show tonight, maybe four minutes, and we're going to cut it off about 9.30 here. Let me make an announcement here. Uh, it came in from WD8IOL, the Toledo Mobile Radio Association, that's up in Ohio, is having their ham fest this Sunday. Uh, please visit tmrahamradio.org, tmra hamradio.org for all the details. Looks like uh, got some vendors there. Tower Electronics, AE, no, EAE Sales, Gold Metal uh, Ideas, Transseal, uh, going to be some of the main uh, commercial vendors there, plus bunches of private vendors, and they're going to have VE testing. So, hey, it's a, a little... good ham fest, Tom. I've yeah. been to that many years. I used to live 40 miles away from <clears> it, and... Uh, I've been there many, many times, and it's always a good ham fest. Well, if it was you a little... even find something like this, and I think in, yeah. a, in a future episode, I think you're going to have to do a, show you show everybody your key. There you yeah, go. Show your key. This, this is my favorite. This is my favorite key right here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. World War Two, Jake. Well, I've got one like that, but this is my favorite key right here. This is my favorite <laughs> right here. Oh, and boy, it is heavy, too. Uh, hey, I'd like to go to the Toledo Ham Fest, but 
Man, it's just a little far. Bill, why don't you just gas up and swing by here and pick me up? I'll ride up there with you. One quick It'll thing be about here. about a thousand mile trip. Too. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Let me throw this out there. We didn't mention it. Um, Guido, the, the link for the Dr. Duino products is yeah. uh, drduino.com, D-R-D-U-I-N-O.com. And uh, the other thing that Guido didn't mention that I didn't want to throw out here, and that's he's got something, again, that you don't find very often on manufacturer's website. He actually has a help ticket system that you can open up a ticket and actually get some help on this stuff from somebody. And uh, they well, respond, great. you know, pretty quick. And you, you know, who does help anymore? You know, so hey, it's great. Everybody needs help, and especially yes. if you're just starting out in this, you need help. Well, I've been told I need help, but they don't make enough medication for that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, hey, guys. Hey, I want to say good night to everybody out there watching on uh, uh, our YouTube channel, Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio, shortwave listeners. If you're out there listening on WBCQ, uh, thanks for tuning in tonight on 7490 out of Monticello, Maine. Appreciate you listening. Shoot us an email to tom at w5kub.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, okay. Hey, just a quick, a quick question here. Uh, Brent wants to know, assuming that we're going to be webcasting the Dayton. Guys, uh I have gone to Dayton for 40 consecutive years. I've not missed a year in 40 years, minus the pandemic, of course. We are not going to Dayton this year. Um, uh, we're just not going up there. I don't know if the, the interest is, um, how can I say it? It's just things are different. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't, I usually go up there. Let me just say this. I usually go up there. I'll spend 25 cents and bring me back some heat shrink tubing and spend $2,000 for the trip. So, you know, uh, I think we're just going to just uh, skip this one this year. Probably won't be going back. We will be at Huntsville. We'll be doing the Huntsville Ham Fest for sure. We'll always do that one. That's close to us. And um, it's, a, it's a very affordable trip, and uh, we, we love it down here. We always go an extra day and stay an extra day. So we'll be doing Huntsville. Are you... Are you planning to win the main prize again at Huntsville this year? Well, I don't know. It just depends on if uh, uh, Joe Eisenberg is there. Yeah, it's going to be me and Joe there, so you know he's got a chance. Yeah, but, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, also, though, you know, because uh, Tom's not going this year, Bill and I have decided to pick up the slack. So both of us are going to be doing forums there at Dayton. Bill's going to be doing his Pico Balloon <laughs> Forum, and I'm doing an Arduino Forum there. So. You'll, you'll still get some of us there anyway. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. We'll see you. Oh, let me make a quick announcement. I don't think we're going to have a show next Tuesday. Uh, I will be giving a presentation at the Arkansas River Valley Amateur Radio Foundation in Russellville, Arkansas, uh, where I went to college. Going to be visiting my old college over there and... Uh, uh, going up on Mount Nebo and uh, just at the lake there, and uh, and we're just going to take a little bit of vacation. So I don't think we're going to have anything next week. So everybody, just take it easy. We'll see the the week after. And everybody, just remember, remember Katie, remember Katie. Be thinking about Katie, and uh, hopefully she'll be back with us soon. Seventy three is good night to everybody. <laughs>